0: wrong Brendan
1: this isn't Soren no oh let's hand it over to flight attendant Patrick he will get us back on track
0: Soren to tower we are ready for takeoff Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 189, and it's another storytelling episode for us. I apologize for Brendan's mishap at the beginning. I think he just got a little carried away.
1: It was no mishap.
0: Uh, It was on purpose? Yes. okay.
1: Zac Efron. Needed a little bit of Zac Efron in our day today.
0: I could agree with that. I can support that decision. We could all use a little more Zac Efron.
1: I completely agree. Retweet.
0: Zac Efron over flight attendant Patrick?
1: No. Don't you ever say something so blasphemous again.
0: I just wanted to check.
1: Okay, so, yeah, today we're talking about Soren around the world. We'll also talk about previous and different versions of Soren, as well. Really excited to continue this storytelling series. Whole point of these is to tell you a little bit of the history, tell you about some of the storytelling aspects there that maybe you didn't know or you haven't noticed before. So the next time you experience these attractions you will experience them in a different way. Maybe get a new moment of clarity or something else will stand out to you and help you out along the way. Before we jump into Soren, I wanted to take a quick moment and just take a moment of gratitude to everyone who has been listening over the past month and a half or so Since we've really gotten this train rolling again on a normal schedule. We haven't missed any episodes. And longtime listeners will know that we took a quick or a brief break towards the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. And it's something that was probably bad timing on our part. It was life just got in the way and and the podcast had to take the back seat for a little while. But when we stopped, we were kind of at the pinnacle of success of what we had found through the podcast Things were really starting to click and make sense. And we were seeing really good growth, which is always great to see. And then we had to stop. So since we started back up, it's really been a kind of curiosity that we've had of, can we reach to where we were before? And I think this month has shown us more than ever that you guys are enjoying the content that we're putting out for some reason. Who knows why? We are loving putting these together together. And the numbers are backing that up. You guys know that we do not do this for the numbers at all, but it is a, such an affirmation that we're headed down the right track. And so, for that, we are so appreciative of you and truly grateful if you're a long term listener, if this is the first time you've ever listened, we truly appreciate it. We're having more fun than we've ever had on this podcast um, right now, I think. So, we look forward when we move down to Disney next month. It's only going to get better.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's been. A lot of fun over the past couple months, and I know as soon as we move down to Disney, Brendan will probably get some crazy new idea for something that we'll do, and we'll just keep growing.
1: We're going to be YouTubers.
0: We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people have probably seen us in uh, Sarah and Jeff's videos, and I don't know if... They would support that.
1: They've seen us in our awkward IGTV videos. And like, we don't need to see any more video of these people.
0: That's true, too. So, anywho, today we are talking about Sorin. And for me, this ride is going to be fun to talk about just because I think it really does fit into the theme of the park that it's in. Particularly right now, I'm referring more to Soren Around the World and Epcot. I think they... Pair nicely together. But of course, if we think about, you know, the original ride and we'll get more into that with the history. But if we think about Soarin' over California in California Adventure, I mean, it goes so well together. It's just perfect. And I love that.
1: Do we want to go ahead and have this conversation so we can get out of the way?
0: What conversation?
1: There should be two separate versions of this ride. DCA and Epcot should not have the same version.
0: I completely agree. And... We can we'll talk about later why I guess they opted to just make it all soaring around the world. But I 1000 percent agree it would be much better suited to have different versions.
1: Okay, we'll try not to beat that dead horse, because I feel like almost everybody agrees. Mm -hmm. Not that one version is better than the other, but they're both play a specific storytelling role to their respective parks.
0: I agree. Yeah. So with that being said, we decided just for the sake of this podcast, when we talk about this ride walkthrough, we're just going to focus at Soarin' Around the World because that is the current version of the ride that's playing. If you've never seen Soarin' Over California, um, just like the name suggests, it visits different locations in California and all the iconic spots there. And there are some great videos out there. If you've never seen it, I would recommend it. Well,
1: yeah. And since they did it for a brief time at DCA this year or last year, there's even better HD ride throughs that you can find on YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm. And in addition to talking about just the different scenes throughout the ride, we also found it fitting to talk about the smells because that is a huge part of this ride. <laughs>
1: Can we blow them through the microphone?
0: Oh my gosh, I wish. So if you have like the little candles in your home, now would be a good time. Pause it. Go get those. And then as we talk about the ride, you can smell them and you'll be there. How fun would that be?
1: In your mind, are you smelling? I'm going to ask the listeners. What are you smelling right now? Is it Fiji? Is it oranges from California? Is it the earth from... Tanzania?
0: It's technically grass.
1: Earth? I'm always curious about that because I think of the oranges, which no longer exist. Fiji is probably a close second.
0: What about the pine trees, though? Remember when you could smell the pine trees?
1: Yeah, that was a good that was a good smell, too. Mm -hmm. Good scratch and sniff.
0: Okay, let's get going. The first part of this ride, I think... Is something that's very iconic to the ride is before you even get on the ride, but it's when you are briefed by flight attendant Patrick, like you got a little snippet of earlier. And of course, after the video, you're ushered to your seats and you're asked to put away all your items, blah, 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 including your flip flops, which I always think is so strange. I mean, hey, I don't really know why you'd wear flip flops to Disney because that would really hurt your feet, but it also kind of freaks me out to have to take off your shoes completely for a Disney ride.
1: Did you know who Patrick Warburton was before seeing him as Flight to Patrick? I don't think so. My family, my family watched The Tick when it used to come on and he was The Tick. So that's why I have like this affinity for him. It was a really, really bad TV show. It did not last long at all. But that was like family sit down. We're all watching The Tick right now.
0: I have never even heard of that.
1: Well, that's why I love Patrick Warburton so much.
0: Okay. Well, that may, that's good to know. I learned something new about you today with everybody else. Once you're buckled in to your seats and you begin your journey, the first place you travel to is the Matterhorn in the Swiss Alps. And there you can see people skiing and partaking in, I don't know, snow activities. <laughs>
1: I honestly never knew that this was Switzerland.
0: I it's interesting as I keep reading down some of these places. I mentioned that quite a few times that I actually had no clue where we were. No. And I don't know if that's a common thing or if it's just us. But we're learning something now. We
1: are. I did not realize it was Switzerland. It is. It's
0: the Matterhorn. So a little throwback to Disneyland. (laughs) The Matterhorn. Maybe.
1: Well, and they also had a skiing scene in... Soaring over California for Tahoe, Mm -hmm. which is nice for us because my aunt lives in Tahoe. I've never been. No. Well, I have.
0: Someday. After you leave the Swiss Alps, you make your way over to the fjords in Greenland, and that's where you get to see some polar bears. This is one of my favorite scenes just because of the polar bears.
1: I didn't know this was Greenland either.
0: Where did you think it was?
1: I don't want to say out of fear of sounding ignorant. Because I don't know where polar bears live. It's probably not Antarctica, is it?
0: No. And that's the other thing. Soaring around the world only travels to six continents. Antarctica is not one of those continents.
1: See, for some reason, I always thought that it was Antarctica. Do polar bears live in Antarctica?
0: Uh, I, don't I don't think. I don't, I don't know. Th- it might just be penguins. I don't think penguins do
1: either. Do they? Do they?
0: I don't know, Brendan.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're going to move on because we're going to make ourselves look really bad. From there, you stop in the Sydney Harbor in Australia. You get to see the opera house there.
1: I did know that was Australia Good. for the record.
0: Good. I'm very glad. And then you visit a location that has some pretty important significance to Disneyland. And I'm upset right now that I have to do the wa- the ride walkthrough because I'm going to butcher this.
1: Neuschwanstein.
0: Neuschwanstein. Okay. It's the castle. That's the name of the castle in Germany, which is said to be the inspiration for Sleeping Beauty's castle. And it is beautiful. I mean, Germany is known for castles.
1: It is beautiful. And I don't know why, but my eyes always take me to the left here. And you can see there's like a little bridge going through the mountains and there's people standing on that bridge. Have you ever noticed that?
0: I don't know. I'm going to look for it now, though.
1: My eyes are always drawn that way for some reason. And I'll look around at other people. Nobody else is looking over there.
0: No, everyone's looking at the castle. Correct. From there, you soar over a large herd of elephants near the base of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And that's where you get the first of the iconic smells. And it is a grassy smell. Grassy earth. People have a lot of different ways that they describe it. Technically, It's just grass, which makes sense because you are in the grasslands of Africa with some elephants. Are the elephants real? See, I don't know. That's the thing about Soarin' Around the World is that they did a lot more CGI with this one. In the original Soarin' Over California, it was almost purely... Real people. Of course, they did CGI with like fireworks and the golf ball. And there were a couple other things. The
1: hang gliders. The hang
0: gliders. Um, So they did use some CGI, but the around the world is much more. I didn't find anything on whether or not the elephants were real. That's a good question.
1: I don't think they are.
0: It would be hard to time that perfectly. With the shots, you know? Well, and they're, like, kind of fighting with each... You know, or bumping into each other. The
1: transition there, too, is that the elephant throws the dirt
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the sky, right? That is uh-huh. that is obviously CGI'd. Mm-hmm. If they got that on film, then bravo. But it I doubt it. should be
0: National Geographic or G- Animal Planet. I don't know.
1: Um, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a mix. Maybe some are real, some are CGI.
0: And that's possible.
1: But how... Again, like at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro, you just happen to find a herd of elephants. And that would
0: be pretty perfect. (laughs) Disney magic. (laughs) After you leave Africa, you make your way over to the Great Wall of China. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite scenes, too, just because the teacher nerd in me, I teach about the Great Wall of China and I just sit there and I like imagine, you know, haha, if my kids are, in, you know, if my kids were watching this, you know, they would know that we talked about this or not that kids would think about school when they're in Disney. But maybe there's one who would. So I do appreciate this scene. Nerd. I already called myself a nerd. So that I'm unfazed by your comments. Um, And it's a good it's an interesting view. Because typically you wouldn't be able to see the Great Wall of China from above like that.
1: I agree. I I do really like that portion as well. I like the kites that are flying. It gives you great perspective um, to where you are and, Mm -hmm. and really improves on that sensation of flying.
0: After leaving China, you head over to another wonder from ancient civilization, and it's the Great Pyramids of Giza in Egypt. So, again... My nerd self likes this. I can appreciate it.
1: Isn't? Uh, are those are the ones in Cairo, right?
0: Giza, honey, Great Pyramids of Giza.
1: Oh, I thought it was Cairo. <laughs> so there's multiple sets of pyramids in Egypt. Oh yeah. Man, this is really making me seem dumb.
0: <laughs> Move along. We're gonna keep all of our comments to ourselves. <laughs> From here, you go to the Taj Mahal in India. And I do think that this scene is also particularly breathtaking just because of the gardens. Um, And you are met with the second scent, which is floral to represent the gardens and, you know, kind of the greenery. And a lot of people have different takes on what kind of flower it is, but it is officially a rose scent. I can see that. Mm hmm. It's like kind of that light. One. It's pleasant. Yeah, it is. From there, we come back to the United States just briefly to visit Monument Valley, which is in Utah.
1: Is Forrest Gump there?
0: I don't. I don't see Forrest Gump. No, no. I actually didn't know that that was in Utah. I would have assumed that that was like Arizona. Hmm. When, with, like, all the rocks and everything, like the clay kind of, I don't know, I desert. Knew it,
1: I knew it was Utah, so I guess I'm Have you ex- ever been there? Yes.
0: We'll see. You've got a one-up on me. I've never been to Utah, ever. From there, here I think might be the most popular scene just because of the smell. From here, you visit the islands of Fiji, you can see the beautiful clear water. You have some kayakers and you get that light tropical sea breeze scent. And of course, this is my personal favorite out of the three that you get from soaring Around the World.
1: I would agree with that. That's my favorite as well. That's always one. It seems like a very short scene and you're like, please let us stay.
0: Yeah, I, it is. You want to just be there because if we're not in Disney our other vacation of choice is a beach somewhere tropical where you kind of get that sea breeze and it has, you know, you get the wind effects here, too. And it's just so relaxing. If they could play this just on loop for like 30 minutes where you could just relax, that would be ideal. I wonder if they would ever do that. I, f- I do
1: feel refreshed every time I get off soren Mm hmm. Your feet get a break for a little while, get some blood flow.
0: You do get a nice breeze throughout the whole thing. Everyone could use some air conditioning. After you leave Fiji, this is one that got me. You go to the waterfall scene. So you're following kind of the water theme. And it is Iguazu?
1: Iguazu. Iguazu? I don't know.
0: Falls, and this is actually where Argentina and Brazil meet. So for me watching this, for some reason, I always thought this was Niagara Falls, I guess just because I'm not familiar with a lot of big falls and I've never been to Niagara Falls. So I just kind of assumed that that's what this scene was. Did you know what this what this was?
1: I did not know that it was Argentina and Brazil. I don't know if I thought it was Niagara Falls either. I I don't know. I guess I just kind of viewed it as a waterfall.
0: I just when An unnamed
1: I think, waterfall.
0: I guess just when I think iconic waterfall, Niagara Falls is the one that comes to mind, which is why I just assumed that that's what it was. So, anywho, if you thought the same thing, now you know it's actually in Argentina. From there. You start to approach the end of your journey and you know this because you are in Paris and you're approaching the Eiffel Tower at night, which I thought was very interesting because the rest of the scenes are in the daytime and they chose instead to do Paris at night. I mean,
1: it's beautiful. You it can't argue with that. This is one of the spots that's notorious. If you have a bad seat, you can see the warping really badly.
0: I did see that when I was doing some research. Re- <laughs> research. I saw some complaints about that. And whenever you ride this, everyone knows where you want to sit. You want to be that top row right in the middle, you know, as close to the middle as you can be. But Yeah. I do love this scene, though, just because I like to watch the lights kind of sparkle.
1: Yeah, it's enjoyable.
0: The final scene in Soren is when you end your journey in Disney. But depending on which park you're in, this final scene is different. If you are in Epcot, you end in Epcot. If you're in um, California Adventure, you end in Disney. Disneyland, and then if you're in Shanghai or Tokyo Sea, they have endings in those respective places as well.
1: But DCA doesn't end in DCA, it ends in Disneyland, which is a little weird.
0: It is a little weird, but I guess maybe just they're so close by, you know, it's whatever.
1: Yeah. It's an enjoyable ride. I mean, so that that's the conclusion. Then you come back down, feet land back on the floor. don't it's nice. It is. I I learned a lot of locations that I didn't know before. We heard. <laughs> so, let's talk about some of the interesting aspects of the history of Soren. We're using Soren as kind of a broad term to capture all of the different versions and iterations that it's had. So, Soren goes by a couple of different names depending on where you're located. There's Soren over California, Sorin Soren around the world, Soren over the horizon. And Soaring Fantastic Flight. Now, that one has a G on the end of it.
0: Yes, I guess in Tokyo, they didn't want to abbreviate it for whatever reason.
1: And that one is the most unique of them all, where mm-hmm. it like goes along with the story of Disney Sea.
0: Yeah, it has it has the same bones where it is still taking you around the world. They still use the same footage, but they do add more of a story to it where there's, you know, a character involved and different things like that.
1: Yeah. So, of course, all different versions are a flight motion simulator ride that consists of a mechanical lift system, a 4K film presentation on a concave 180 degree degree OmniMax laser projection screen. I feel like you have to say OmniMax
0: like that. I liked it, yeah.
1: Which uses 48 frames per second, Which is twice the speed of a normal cinematic film, which is interesting to me that they would do it so fast.
0: I guess just because they're in a time crunch. They got to get you in and get you out and around the world quickly.
1: So in addition to those uh, different film aspects, of course, we get the artificial sense and the wind effects as well. All of these features put together create that feeling of hang gliding and give you that immersive feeling throughout your journey. So the original attraction is Soren Over California, like we've mentioned before, which debuted in California Adventure on February 8th, 2001. Happy birthday, Catherine.
0: I know. I I don't know how we made it this far into this, and I never realized that I share a birthday with California Adventure. I'm kind of a big deal. I got a theme park for my birthday.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Good for you. <laughs> um It was intended to showcase California while also paying tribute to the aviation history in California. This theme fits the park so well that I cannot believe that they ever changed it.
0: I know. I honestly think that the pairing of these two is genius, because if we think back to everything that we discussed before about California Adventure and that they were trying to make it the it spot so that you could experience all of California in one place. I mean, that's what that ride did. It allowed you to see everything that California has to offer without having to actually go to those places. I mean, it's genius.
1: Even the location of it within the park makes so much sense that it's like on the way to the redwoods of Northern California, it's far away from like the Hollywood part of it Mm -hmm. or the pier part of it. Like it just made so much sense. I I guess I guess they thought it made too much sense.
0: Apparently it was. Yeah, we won't get onto that soap soapbox.
1: The ride was so popular in DCA that Epcot eventually got its own version on May 5th, 2005. At the time, it was still it was introduced as Soarin' over California. And a fun fact, in Epcot, they say that you are boarding flight 5505. And it's paying homage to the opening day of the attraction on May 5th, 2005. This we mentioned this before. For what attraction that I remembered the hype around it?
0: Oh, goodness, Brendan.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was Expedition Everest. Yes. This is another one. I remember the hysteria around Soren is coming to Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal because that was the e-ticket attraction in DCA for the longest time.
0: Yeah, and that's what it was intended to be. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I think that's why it always plays a special role in my Disney trip, just because I remember like the fight to get a fast pass for Soarin' when it first opened. Or that was where you rushed to when the gates opened. Like Mm -hmm. that has been ingrained in me since (laughs) since it opened. So things started to change a little bit when Soren went to Shanghai Disneyland on June 16th, 2016. This is when the global version was introduced and it wasn't long the next day after on June 17th until this version of the ride replaced the original. So in other words, June 17th is a day that will live in infamy.
0: It is the day that we got soaring Around the World and they told soaring Over California to kick dirt.
1: So California and Epcot changed on the same day?
0: Yes. It was just a turnover.
1: But they announced it, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they did. I don't remember specifically. We were both shocked in doing the research that it was so late. For some reason, it feels like it's been... Over, I mean, sorry, around the world for forever.
1: Definitely more than four years.
0: Yeah, I maybe it's just because in the past four years, that's when we've gone the most. You know what I mean?
1: I guess so. I st- I've triple checked that because I still don't believe it.
0: That's what it said. Okay. So we're going with it. If we're wrong, someone will have to tell us.
1: <laughs> so... To learn a little bit more, if we take this back to its beginning, Imagineers were thinking about this ride way back in 1996 when it was originally known internally as Ultra Flight. and The original concept for the ride was the same, but the operation was different. Originally, they believed that there needed to be three loading levels and the ride would move horizontally on a rack similar to a dry cleaning system. So that would be weird.
0: Can you picture that? It's funny just to think... That they didn't think about like the the lift up system. Like it's hard to even imagine, but they literally thought you would have to pick a level or get assigned to a level and load that way.
1: I mean, it's kind of like Flight of Passage, though. It has different levels. OK. And you go to your specific level. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see where they were going. But eventually, Imagineer Mark Sumner solved the problem and created the design using... That they use today using a rector set to allow guests to all load on one level before lift, lifting up 40 feet into their positions. It really is a brilliant ride system.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that first lift, you can tell like who's never rode it before because they're, oh, like,
0: I mean, it's a it's cool. It's surprising because it lifts you pretty fast.
1: And it's a cool feeling as well. Mm hmm. So once the engineering part of the ride was figured out, they had to make the video portion, which took several years. This would do to need to get special permission to film in certain places. And this is specifically talking about Soarin' over California. So they wanted to film in places like Yosemite National Park. Um, Tahoe and just other places that it took a lot of time to get those permissions. Even after securing the rights to film, Disney needed to get the perfect shots, which in some cases included live people. Think about the surfing scene and the skiing scenes and the water rafting scene. These stage shots took a lot of extra time because they could easily be messed up.
0: But... I'm sure it was kind of annoying just having to do the same thing over and over again. But that's still a fun day to, you know, make a living. You just get to water ski or ski, ski. I don't know. Not water ski. I was thinking raft.
1: But I think that probably played a role with why when they switched over to Soarin' around the world, why there's not as many human interaction portions. They use more CGI. They probably did not want to deal with the headache that they did in previous versions.
0: Yeah, I could agree with that because it's probably super frustrating when you've done it and then like the actor or the, you know, whoever extra messes it up and you have to do it again.
1: Which one kind of piece that you may have read read about before is in Soarin' Over California. One of the last scenes is going through the traffic and the skyline of Los Angeles at night. And it's really weird. It's grainy. It's kind of warped. And the reason for that is because that was actually test footage. They were never planning on using that in Sworn Over, California. And they just had to because wasn't it like it took them so long to set up to do that, that L.A. County said you get, one, you get one shot.
0: Yeah, I think they took so long and it's probably something that they ran into in a lot of those other locations, too. But I guess just with it being kind of a metropolitan area, you know, they can't just give Disney the rights to that airtime for forever.
1: So the music is another iconic part of this ride. And as I've been reading and doing my research about it, it's been stuck in my head. And I think it ends up on a lot of people's loops. They play it throughout a lot of Future World Mm -hmm. and the front entrance of the park. And it was performed by the London Studio Orchestra and composed by Bruce Broughton. And and that is based off the original score by Jerry Goldsmith. So is the music your favorite part of this?
0: Mm, That's a tough question. I... I wouldn't say the music is the best. I think the the feeling of flying is the best. Oh, I don't know cuz it's hard to pick between like the feeling or the sense or the music. I don't know if I'd pick music first. Okay. It is very catchy though.
1: So, why don't you share your fun fact? I knew this, but you found it very interesting.
0: I had no clue. Um, Because this isn't anything that I remember, and I can't picture it either. Apparently, Brendan can. But Soren in Epcot replaced a show called Food Rocks, which was an animatronic singing educational songs about food. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but food singing about healthy food. Correct.
1: Supposed to teach you about having a balanced diet.
0: What? Just what? What? You don't remember that? Not in the slightest. I feel like when my parents took us to theme parks, I mean, me and my sister are somewhat high maintenance, or we were as kids, like we well, just wanted I mean, to ride the rides and be fed.
1: You still are now. I just wanted
0: to clarify that out there. And I can very much see them just like reading that and being like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep moving because I do not remember seeing that at all. Just like when I went to. Epcot with your family for the first time on your senior trip. I will never, ever forget having to go watch. What was it?
1: Captain EO.
0: Captain EO. I had never known that was there.
1: Michael Jackson.
0: Ever. I'd never known that was even a thing. I was so annoyed when we left. I was like, why are we doing this?
1: Because it was awesome.
0: Anywho, I didn't know Food Rocks was a thing.
1: You need to go watch a video of it. I'm
0: definitely going to. It was
1: classic. So that's just the brief history and the ride walkthrough. Of course, it's not the expansive history, but just kind of the things that stood out to us that contribute to the storytelling aspect of that. So let's take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back for the rest of the episode.
0: This episode is brought to you by Karma and Kismet. As things slowly start to get back to normal, we are going to be able to host all of our special events again. Weddings, baby showers, bridal showers, all important occasions that we've been missing out on the past couple of months. And Kelly has created some beautiful invitations and postcards that add a little more Disney magic to all of your events, and they help capture the sweet moments that are to come. Some of our favorite designs are the up, inspired wedding invitations because you can never go wrong when you put up on anything and the lion king birthday invitation that would have been perfect for our niece's wild one birthday theme although i guess she was turning 2 but to check out any of these items head over to Etsy and search for karma the letter n kismet or visit karmaandkismetdesigns.com you can find the invitations that best suit your event and If you're interested in buying any, you can use the code DETOUR10 to get 10% off your order. And we'll put the links in the show notes.
1: So next are our storytelling takeaways. And really what we're trying to look at here is what can we learn from this attraction's history and storytelling components? What stands out to you, Catherine?
0: Well, I think just in looking at the ride and kind of how it fits the theme of, again, Epcot, Just that there's so much to explore and so much to experience. And I just think if you get the opportunity that you should. I mean, I think Soren does a really good job of highlighting the natural beauty and encouraging guests to see more and learn more. And even just in our research today, we actually learned the places that we were visiting.
1: I'm going to take a little more of a pessimistic view. Okay, Not everything is a one size fits all. And by that I mean, you don't have to mess with Soren over California. Like they don't have to be the same.
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of I would have expected you to take this take on it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It fits you,
1: <laughs> Soren. I I don't know. I I just think that I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. They they're not. The same experience and they're not telling the same story and their mismatch when they're in the wrong park is really my only thing.
0: So don't mess with a good thing. Don't mess
1: with a good thing, but also not everything is one size fits all that there's different scenarios that require for different actions and different responses.
0: I can agree with that for sure.
1: Next are listener stories. We don't have too many this week, but I do know some of our friends over in our Facebook group shared some thoughts on this ride. Our friend Christy from the DCL podcast and Pack Your Pixie Dust said Soren is in the top 4 of her rides all time.
0: All-time rides. All time. That's important.
1: It is. And I love it. It's very impressive. Glad that Christy enjoys it so much. Our friend Jake, who actually made the rubric that we are using to score these, said Soren gets a solid seven for me. It's a must ride for me, but typically only with a fast pass. I can smell the oranges was made for this ride, which is one of the categories on our rubric. yes. I don't think there's a full immersion because if you're not top middle, you don't get the full effect. Definitely a favorite for me.
0: I do think that's very important because you never like what I hate the most about this ride is if you're under someone who's maybe particularly tall and you can see their feet in your shot. (sighs) Hate that.
1: I've never noticed
0: that. I mean, like you kind of have to look for (laughs) it, but it still takes away from the I'm here, you know?
1: Yeah. Unless you're hang gliding with a group. <laughs> and then our friend Kate Becker, who is a new member of the Facebook group. So thank you, Kate, for joining us over there. Said 6.25. It's a tougher score than how I feel about it, though. I really enjoy soaring That is probably going to be the theme of how I score it as well.
0: I agree. We're trying to be more.
1: Objective. Kick-y.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Objective, not subjective. So we're trying to follow the rubric very strictly. Be fair. Be fair. So, Brendan, do you have any personal stories?
1: I think for me, it's just kind of this was another one along with Everest that I remember the hype around it coming. hmm. And it was a big deal for my family. I I always think it's funny how most people. Are either in a Soren or a Test Track camp. Most people don't view them as equals mm-hmm. or have similar opinions about them. My family is a very Soren preferred family. Your family is a very Test Track preferred family.
0: I think part of it is that my mom is scared of heights.
1: So she won't go on Soren? No. But she will go on Test Track?
0: Yes. Well, probably not now because now she has like a weird anxiety about being in cars. <laughs> but back in the day we were a big test track family.
1: So I don't know that kind of always been like families getting fast passes. To Epcot, Soren. Ten out of ten times. Do not pass go, get Soren. hmm Uh, we tried Mission Space a couple times. That was a no go. hmm And we always fall back to Soren now with Ellie, our niece, sometimes frozen ever after.
0: Oh no, I will always take Frozen Ever After. I think it's a great ride.
1: I I agree. That's not the point of our conversation right now. I'm just saying that Soren has has always been a very important one for our family.
0: So I mentioned it a little earlier, but I'm still kind of taking it from a history teacher standpoint, since I don't have a deep personal love to this ride. I just love that it's like one giant virtual reality field trip, because I know that that's what the kids want to see. That's what they enjoy. And it is immersive. It is interesting. Um, It does allow you to see more than what you could just looking at a picture. You know, you really get to feel like you're in these different areas and you get the feeling of flying. And I know we have Flight of Passage now and it's not quite that same feeling, but it's it's close, which I can appreciate.
1: I still view them as differently. I know a lot of people say like Flight of Passage is soaring on steroids, but I still feel like the, the hanging portion of it Makes it a different feeling for me or a different experience.
0: Hmm.
1: Neverland score time. So, real quickly, if this is your first time joining us. Different categories are the rewritability, fast pass worthy, standby worthy, sights, sounds, and smells. Oh my, which is basically immersion, nostalgia, love it or fix it, thrill factor, smile factor. How much do you miss it, and worth the time investment? What is your Soren score, Catherine?
0: Okay, it's gonna seem like I really lowballed it, but for me, it ended up getting a five. The things that I scored it low on are standby worthy. Honestly, I think this has one of the most annoying and frustrating and just boring. Cues. I mean, I know they added the interactive games. Do They still do those anymore. I, so. I know they added those and that was fun. It was better than just waiting in that line. But um, that got a low score for me. Nostalgia got a low score. I guess I don't remember the hype like Brendan. And then just how much do I miss it compared to other rides? I don't think about Soren. All that often, if I'm just sitting at home, it's not one that I'm just itching to ride.
1: What did you rank it highest in?
0: Highest the sights, sound, smells. Oh, my. Because you can actually smell the oranges.
1: <laughs> yeah. I gave it a five point five again, which sounds low. But I think going off this rubric, our scores are going to become more objective and more realistic. Mm hmm. To me, it was kind of like right in the middle on almost every category. I either gave it a 0.5 or a 0.75 in a lot of areas. The only one that I scored it below average on was how much do you miss it? And so I answered, I don't think about it from home. And I don't know why. It's just not a attraction that I like dream about going on.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Um. Other ones. I I don't know. I think it also contributes that our view of Epcot has changed so much recently, where a lot of times we will go to Epcot and we will not get on a single ride besides like three Caballeros.
0: Something that's easy to get on. Or Spaceship
1: Earth at the end of the night. So I think it's kind of taken there. We go to Epcot very often without getting on test track. Or Soren,
0: Mostly because Test Track is always down.
1: (laughs) But I think that's kind of pulled away from Soren, just because we found so many other things to do in that park.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think we would rather spend more time in the festivals or at, you know, just exploring World Showcase than maybe venturing into other parts of the park to ride rides.
1: They're nice when they're there. Mm-hmm. I, I've never regretted riding Soren as ever the one time we did like wait an hour in standby, And you're right that that cue is it's
0: not good. No. And it's it's kind of weird, too, because it's so wide right there at the beginning that it's like almost that weird thing. Like, you know, who's there first, but like you could always stay next to a family who thinks that they can just kind of like inch up all over you and whew. Not good.
1: Too much anxiety for you.
0: Yeah, it's a lot going on.
1: All right. So that will conclude Soren. Catherine, you get next pick. What are you choosing?
0: To fit with our rotation, I got to pick something from Hollywood Studios. And I went with Slinky Dog Dash. Is this the newest ride that we're evaluating? Yes. Woohoo. So that'll be exciting. Something very recent
1: slinky dog dash
0: i'm so excited i love everything about toy story world land
1: d-a-w-g dog yep we need more dogs
0: i'm gonna when we record i'm gonna wear my hot dog shirt
1: what about your slinky dog
0: my ears i did get the ears the little wingy ears i'll wear them
1: okay okay So thank you guys so much for listening to this installment of our storytelling episode series. We will be back on Monday. And then of course, next Wednesday with our slinky dog dash show as well. Of course we are getting really, really close to our moves. We'll be sharing updates about that as we go forward, making some new installments to our moving diary. Is that so what we're calling it?
0: That's what we're going with.
1: Um, And yeah, we look forward to sharing that with you guys as well. So thank you so much for joining us. hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.